0: Welcome to The Whole Steward, the holistic approach to wealth from a Christian worldview. I'm your host, Andrew Stanton, and I'm glad you've joined. Think about what you're doing in your life in general. Now think about some specific endeavor you're undertaking. You might be doing things right, but are you doing the right thing? Maybe those sound the same to you, but they're not. We'll get into the difference and why it's important, then I'll show you how to make and use a financial statement today on The Whole Steward. This is episode number five, and I am so thankful that you are listening. If you want to get in contact with me, it's letters at steward.com or visit the website, thewholesteward.com slash contact. Remember, I send a newsletter every Monday, and I'm always adding posts to thewholesteward.com, so check them out if you like what you're hearing on the show. Last time we jumped into a survey of the scriptures for our Wealth in the Bible segment. We were looking at the great heroes of the faith and how they approached wealth management and their stewardship. They may be super interesting stories, but the problem is you can't make the correlation directly that you should be just like them. For example, you can't say that you should necessarily have a personal army, because Abraham did, or that you should be in charge of all the wealth of Egypt, because Joseph was, or build the temple, as Solomon did, or hide the spies, as Rahab did. You can't say, oh, I'm supposed to keep my house, or I'm supposed to sell it, for that matter. But what we do have are principles to abide by. Each person's situation is different. And so you have to learn to apply those principles to your situation. We've looked at some of those principles already, for example, in 1 Timothy chapter 6. If you're listening to this, you're for sure richer than a majority of the people in the world. So when he says, as for the rich in this present age, and then gives them instruction, those apply to you. They apply to me. As you seek to manage everything God has given you to the best of your ability, you can glean a lot from God's civil law and his moral law written in scripture for what is good and right in managing what God has given us. But even when you're operating within the framework of God's principles, there are lots of options. There is a lot of leeway for what you actually do. So how do you decide what to do on a daily basis? how do you determine if you're doing the right thing? First, let's talk about why doing the right thing is important. And what do I mean by doing the right thing? I'll explain that with an example. Let's say you're a road builder and you are going to build a road. First, you lay the base and then the asphalt. You steamroller it just right. It's all smooth and the lines are painted on. The road looks beautiful but you built it going to the wrong place. So you built the road right. All the steps were there, except you built the wrong road. You see how you were doing things right, but you weren't really doing the right thing. You need to make sure in your management that you're doing the right thing first, and then you can learn to do things right as you go. So how do we apply this? How do you know you're doing the right thing? So let's get really practical. Think about the various forms of capital. You have spiritual, physical, intellectual, experiential, relational, cultural, material, financial, and time. Think about where you might need to improve. There are various ways to go about improving what you're doing in that area. But the best way is to copy what the experts do. The ones who have already achieved what you're trying to do, how did they do it? For example, if you're inventing something new, what did Edison do when he was inventing something? If you're trying to improve your physical health, what do the physically healthy do? If you're trying to improve on your financial management, what do the financially successful do? You could try to learn what works by trial and error. But that's going to take a long time. And there's many who have gone before who are successful in those areas. Learn from them. That's the most straightforward path as you seek to grow in that particular area. And once you become an expert in that area, then you could push limits and try new things. But for the most part, there are those who are doing what you want to do, and they do it better. You can learn from them. So once you know that you're doing the right thing, then you can start to learn to do things right you may not know how to do the thing but you can certainly learn just be sure that you're learning the right thing it's learning like a child now when you were a little one and you were crawling around your parents probably wanted you to walk because they knew that was the right thing for you to do you you shouldn't go about crawling your entire life so When you were able to, you stood up by the couch and you were holding on. The context is that of a controlled risk environment. So your mentors, your parents, your mother and your father are standing there probably about three feet away holding out their hands and telling you, come on, take a first step as you're holding onto the couch. And you need to do the thing. You need to take that first step and you inevitably will fall down, but. You were doing the right thing. You were learning to walk, and that's the right thing. Crawling around your whole life is not the right thing to do. But you had no idea how to do it. Your mentors were teaching you and telling you, hey, take a step. Come on, take a step. When you fell down, did you say, oh, no, I failed, and you're not going to try again? No, they tell you, okay, that's okay. Get up. Take, a, take another step. Try again. And you crawl back to the couch, and you grab back on, and you pull yourself up, and you try to take more steps. That's how you learn. Once you know you're doing the right thing, then you start trying and learning how to do it right. Do you see the power in learning like this? You learn like a child. Unfortunately, our society today doesn't really reward mistakes. They kind of punish them. You think about it. If you mess up on a test in school your grade gets knocked down you might feel ashamed or you might get scolded even there's a certain expectation that you fit into a mold of what's expected and if you fail along the way it's seen as a negative thing but that's not how the most successful people viewed it think about John D Rockefeller Albert Einstein Walt Disney Steve Jobs Bill Gates Mark Zuckerberg you know what they all have in common They were school dropouts, and they were criticized when they had failures. But guess what? They learned like a child. They saw their failures as opportunities to grow, not as reasons to quit. The most successful don't fit into this mold. They're often criticized for their method of learning or told they're stupid. For example, Edison's teachers told him he was too stupid to learn anything. I mean, he grew up to hold over 1,000 patents. When he was inventing the light bulb, they asked him why he had failed so many times with his prototypes. And he basically responded and said, I haven't failed 10,000 times. I've found 10,000 ways that won't work. And I'll find the way that does. Henry Ford had, had failed several times at starting automobile businesses before he founded Ford Motor Company. And he was able to convince the investors that uh, he had learned from his mistakes and he would do it differently. A modern example is James Dyson. He tried 5,126 prototypes before the 5,127th prototype worked for the vacuums. Now that brand is the best-selling bagless vacuum in the U.S. So you need to first determine the right thing to do And then you need to try and fail and learn to do things right. Keep in mind that in life, whatever you say yes to, you're saying no to everything else. So say yes to the right things that help you achieve your vision, mission, and values in what you're doing. So that's the methodology. But where to start? How do you focus your efforts? Well, one thing that they don't teach you about in school is money. When we come back, we'll look at a very practical first step that you can take today to evaluate your financial situation and focus your efforts on the right thing. You'll learn how to create and use a financial statement in just a moment on The Whole Story. Hey there, it's Andrew a lot into The Whole Steward, and I'm so humbled you're listening. Did you know I regularly post new articles to our website? I also send the Holistic Approach to Wealth newsletter once a week, to which you can subscribe at thewholesteward.com slash newsletter. If you're enjoying what you're hearing on the show, would you share it with a friend or leave us a review? I'd really appreciate it. Oh, and thanks for listening. First of all, what is a financial statement? Well, it's simply a snapshot of your financial situation. It shows your income and your expenses, your assets and your liabilities. At the top, you have your cash flow, which is your income and your expenses. That's the money coming in. And then below that, you show your expenses, which is the money going out. Below the cash flow statement, you have your balance sheet. That is your assets on the left and your liabilities on the right. Assets are things you own that have positive value and liabilities are things you own that have negative value. Your assets can take many different forms. For example, material items or your financial accounts. They could be intellectual property or you can get a little creative and think of your experience as an asset or your relationships or even your physical condition or spirituality. You have to be very careful with that one. Think of your health, wealth, and prosperity gospel types that use Christianity as a means of earthly gain. Think of those taking advantage of people's spiritual plight and gaining money from the situation. This is not what I'm talking about here. Rather, how do you balance what you have on this earth and how you manage it for God's glory with what your treasure is in heaven? Not using the gospel as a means of financial gain, but for building your treasure in heaven For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And finally, something you may not think of as an asset, but you probably should, and that is time. It's very limited and very valuable. You can't really put that on your balance sheet. However, it's good to know that you have it and think about how you're investing it. The only other form of capital I didn't mention here is cultural, and you can't really put that on a balance sheet. We generally only put things on the balance sheet that can be denoted in U.S. dollars easily. That would be your financial accounts, material possessions, maybe intellectual property or businesses that you own. On the liability side, these are where debts go. So, for example, you might own a house, but you have a mortgage on it. The house goes on the asset side and the mortgage goes on the liability side. Jumping back to the cash flow statement where you have your income and your expenses, You want to list all forms of income that you have, maybe your job or investments or businesses that you own. On the expenses side, it's pretty straightforward. Everything that comes out of your bank account, that is an expense every month. And so you can list those there. I like to categorize my expenses to keep things simple. For example, housing, transportation, groceries, utilities, living expenses, things like that. Typically, we do everything in the cash flow statement on a monthly basis. Now the financial statement is a super useful tool because it gives you a snapshot at any given time of your financial situation. You can see your income and your expenses, how much buffer you have between the inflow and the outflow. You can see your net worth easily, which is your assets minus your liabilities. And all of these things work together to give you a quick view of your financial situation. This can be useful to you individually or you as husband and wife can look at it together. Also, other people who are thinking of working with you. For example, lenders will want to know how many assets do you have versus your liabilities. So, as you go about creating the financial statement, remember how useful it is. You can make it as simple or complex as you want. I do mine in a spreadsheet, but you can do it on the back of a napkin if you want. Just say, here's my income, blah, blah, blah. Here's my expenses, dot, dot, dot. You can put down your assets. I own a house, two cars. This bank account, that bank account, a 401k, stock account, whatever. Then you can put down your liabilities. Okay, I have this loan for this amount, that loan for that amount, etc. Once you get it written down, now you have a snapshot, a scorecard of where you're at. And you can see where your assets are allocated and how much is allocated to them. You can see all your debts and which ones need to be knocked off. So once you have it all recorded, then you can start to understand how does it work and how do you want to change it. Your financial statement can be fairly revealing. For example, you might see, oh, I only have one form of income, but look at all the expenses I have. The best thing to do would be to diversify your income. Can you figure out how to create other forms of income and add to your sources of income? That way you're not so dependent on one single source. Also, as you look at your assets, Are your assets, those that are depreciating assets, are they losing value every month, or do they gain value? Another way to look at assets are those that produce income. If the money flows from your asset up to your income column, then that's a good thing, that's a good asset, that's a cash flowing asset. That produces income for you every month. If you have an asset that's losing value and you have to pay money every month, to maintain it, then that might be a negative thing or at least something to consider, is that something I should really be spending money on? So when you look at your financial statement as a whole, you want to form a strategy for it. One way of looking at it is you might want your income to be going up. Your income going down isn't necessarily a good thing and you want your expenses to either be going down or staying flat or if they're going up, you don't want them going up as fast as your income. You also wanna be building your asset column with things that provide value or produce income for you. And then finally, you would generally want your liabilities to be trending down. Now in society as a whole, if you look at an asset as one that produces income for you, then you generally have three categories. You have the poor, which only have income and expenses. Then you have the middle class, which generally have income and expenses. Their expenses generally grow as fast as their income. And their liabilities are going up, and they don't really have any income-producing assets. And then you have the wealthy, and those are people who build their asset column that produce income. They have income-producing assets in their asset column. Their liabilities are trending down. Their expenses are less than their income, and their financial statement is very strong. So then ask yourself, what situation do I want to be in? Do I want to have a strong financial statement, a mediocre financial statement, or a poor financial statement? And then start to learn. So we talked about doing the right thing and first and then learning to do things right. If you decide the right thing to do would be to have a strong financial statement, then learn what it is that makes a strong financial statement and then start to work on achieving that. You may not know how to do it, But that's where you learn. Learn like a child. You learn by trying things. You learn by doing it. You learn from experts who have done it before. And that is how you will succeed at improving your financial statement. Now, as you think about this, remember, there are many dangers to desiring to be rich. Paul says, those who desire to be rich pierce themselves through with many pangs. Now, there's a difference between desiring to be rich and not being rich toward God and wanting to improve your financial statement for the glory of God. You can do financial management for God's glory and do a good job in it without loving money or serving money. This is a way for you to get away from that. Having a financial statement gives you a good scorecard. Okay, rather than loving money or stumbling into the same patterns that aren't working, you can say, All right, now I can see my picture. Where do I need to make adjustments? And do that prayerfully. Where do I need to adjust? What can I do to make this better, Lord, for your glory? Then I can give more and I can do more for your kingdom. Along those lines, it can facilitate better communication between you and your spouse. It can help you make better decisions next time you need to make a financial decision. So think about all the ways that this can be helpful to you and consider doing it if you haven't done it before. It's work, it's not trivial, but it's also not terribly hard, and it's just a matter of doing it. I pray you found this useful to help you take better control of your money today, and to be able to see where your allocation is of your various resources, and to think about are you allocating and investing where you need to be right now. Coming up next week, why would you want to be studying this at all? Why spend time learning about a financial statement and using one? We'll be jumping into mindset toward finances. and We'll look into scripture about the abundance mindset versus the scarcity mindset. One produces certain results and the other produces certain results. Let's see what scripture has to say. And I will see you next time on The Whole Steward. Now that you know more, go out and grow more. All content on The Whole Steward is for informational purposes only. and must not be considered personal, professional, tax, or legal advice. Please consult an appropriate professional for individualized advice. Though we do our best to bring you reliable information, we make no guarantee on its accuracy. So you must rely on your own due diligence to draw your own conclusions. The views expressed by guests on the show are their own and may not represent that of the host. Please visit our website for complete terms and conditions. Thanks for joining us today for the holistic approach to wealth from a Christian worldview. This show is brought to you by TheWholesteward.com.